Before this podcast begins, I want you to picture the face of the person who you love the most. Now, I want you to picture this person lying in a hospital bed, fighting for their life. They haven't left that hospital bed in over a month. Each day, you hold their hand for hours. And you're afraid that if you leave, even if only for a few moments, you may never speak to them again. Because they are afraid to be alone. And because you believe that your presence is playing a role in keeping them alive. Your life and their survival have become intertwined. Every meal you have consumed for the past month has been fast food. The car you drove when you rushed to the hospital has been sitting in a paid lot since the day you arrived. You haven't showered for six days. And though you desperately want to cry, you can't. Because you're their rock. One afternoon, you feel their grip on your hand loosen. You've noticed they've fallen asleep. And that is when you let your emotions go. Tears of fear and frustration and sorrow stream down your face and you weep until your tears are interrupted by the sound of your cell phone notifying you of a new email. You wipe away your tears with one hand while you open the message with the other. It's your credit card bill. You glance at your total balance. And you suddenly realize that every meal you have consumed, every day your car has been in that parking lot, every single hotel room you have booked just so you can have a place to shower, is compiling into a debt that you cannot afford, a debt that must be paid out of pocket, a debt that is insurmountable, a debt that is only going to continue to grow because the person you love is so sick that neither of you can see the horizon at the end of your swim. And this debt only adds stress to an already sad and frustrating time. If you were able to envision all of this, you may now understand what thousands of families face on a yearly basis when their loved ones require extended inpatient hospital care. And if you want to help them, you can now do something about it. Visit KeepSwimmingFoundation.org today to donate money that will help families in need cover the costs of bedside meals, hotel rooms, parking, gasoline, and public transportation. The basic essentials every family needs to be there and help their loved one through their darkest hour. Again, it's KeepSwimmingFoundation.org. You're listening to the People You Should Know podcast with your host, Bill Kuhn. Thanks, Dave. Dave Calloway, everybody. Little fun fact about Dave this Halloween, he is going as the Pink Ranger. It's People You Should Know podcast episode 18, everybody. And this is a specialty episode. This is the Halloween episode. (laughs) I think that idea for the wolf was a lot cooler in my head before I did that. But let's just roll with it. But yeah, I've always been a big Halloween guy. Huge Halloween geek, nerd. If my mom was here, you could ask her. She would tell you that when I was a little kid... And she would start decorating the house. I would literally just follow her all day and get really excited and pumped up. And I'm not talking about when I was four. I'm talking about when I was like 15. Like I literally love Halloween. There's nothing better. The only holiday that's above Halloween for me is Christmas. I'm, I'm, I love Christmas. Santa Claus, I still believe. And if you don't, then you're the one with the problem, not me. But when I looked at the podcast lineup and I saw that we would be approaching the end of the season right around this time, I was like, that's got to be a Halloween episode. There was no doubt in my mind. And the way life ends up working out, a couple weeks after I thought that, I was sitting at a table at a party with a woman by the name of Sage Edders and somehow ghosts came up. I don't, I don't know. 
And her and I started going back and forth about ghost stories. And she had so many of them. Like literally the stuff that you're going to hear today on the podcast, her experiences with ghosts, they're not the ones she shared with me that day. These are all naturally things that I was hearing for the first time on the podcast. And we ended up going into a new route with it because I realized there's skeptics. And her and I had chatted about this beforehand about how she experiences skeptics. And you know, I, I have too. I'll get into that in a little bit. But there's people out there, you may be one of them, who are like, ghosts aren't real. This is stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Ghost stories are lame. And maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe that's really what you think. And like everything that we've been touching on in this podcast, there's nonprofit stuff, but then there's also those medical episodes that we've done. So I will clarify, Sage is not a doctor. She's a photographer. I'll get into that too down the road in this podcast. But she has done research on what could possibly be causing these situations that she has. And some of them really cannot be explained. Other ones, though, you could tie it into sleep paralysis or hypnagogic hallucinations, which she gets into, and she'll explain the science behind those. But again, she's not a doctor. She just has done a lot of research. She's like anybody who's ever had a situation happen to them that they think is weird, and then they go online and Google and whatever. But a lot of stuff she was Googling is stuff that I've also Googled, too, because I've had a lot of weird, trippy situations go on as well. In the interview, I, I talked with her about one, I think maybe two of them. Um, but there have been so many situations in my life dating back to eighth grade that I can at least remember where I have seen some type of thing, like an inexplicable thing. I, I, I call them ghosts. Truthfully, I do. I, I really I've seen a lot of them throughout the course of my life. And my explanation for all these experiences is the fact that technically, if you think about it, with the whole heart transplant thing, the whole double heart transplant thing, when I was a baby and then at age 20, at age 20 at least, I vividly remember the last steps before death. Like I remember those experiences. And I don't know if that stuff coupled with the fact that technically – if you don't have a heart in your body twice in your life, that's two times that you're at least definitely certified dead, probably. At least in my book, you are. Medical community might not think so. But I think because of all that, that's why I have had these experiences throughout my life. So needless to say, that's why I absolutely love this topic because it's so intriguing to me because I can totally relate to everything she's talking about. And maybe some of you at home know what we're talking about here and maybe you've experienced it or maybe you're just like all right I'll go for the ride either way that's what we're talking about today but before we get into it with Sage I want to talk about the nonprofit that was mentioned at the very very beginning I was incredibly excited to announce this this week it has been quite the project I've been working with a very small team of volunteers since January of this past year uh, January 2017 to develop a nonprofit organization. It has took a long time, a lot of hours, a lot of paperwork to even work with the IRS on it, but we locked it down. We are an official 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We're called Keep Swimming Foundation. The whole foundation is based off of my experiences and my family's experiences when I was in the hospital because everybody listening to this or majority of you probably know my backstory, which is I've had two heart transplants, a kidney transplant. And at one point in my life back in 2009, I was in the hospital for 70 days. And upon being in the hospital for 70 days, my family ended up spending over $7,500 on non-medical costs, costs that are associated with extended inpatient hospital care. The I call them the external costs of that situation. And these costs are bedside meals, hotel stays, because some families, like my family, for example, my mom in particular, they'd be at your bedside for day after day after day, 10 days straight, and all they want to do is take a shower. And that's what she would be doing. Or some families like to get hotel nights because they want to be there before a major surgery and be very, very close to the hospital. And it gives them peace of mind and comfort during a dark time. Also, on top of that, parking is crazy expensive, crazy expensive. It costs a bizarre amount of money to park in metropolitan areas. And on top of that, gasoline, the extra gas it takes families to go to and from the hospital, 
plus public transportation, even if people were trying to just take a, like I said, a public transit line in a city to save costs, that still adds up. It really does. So that's what Keep Swimming Foundation is all about. We are going to be opening the application process for families in early 2018, but for now we're raising money. And if anybody out there is listening who can relate to this cause or would just like to help families in general and you have a big heart, please go to keepswimmingfoundation.org and donate whatever you can today, five, 10, 20, $100, whatever the case may be. Please donate that, help us out, help us help these families. And I promise you, you will be kept in the loop on the way the foundation is spending the money to help these families. And every quarter, you'll see what we're doing going forward. It's going to be really cool, really stoked about this project. And I hope you guys can join me in the uh, adventure and join along in the ride. But enough about Keep Swimming Foundation. Let's get back to the episode. In fact, let's just play the interview right now. This here was my interview with Sage Edders. Joining me on the podcast today is Sage Edders. Not only is she a fantastic photographer, which I will share links to for those of you who subscribe to the emails and the people who go to the actual blog page to listen to the podcast, you'll see it all right there. But she's also an individual who has had some experiences with some things that may be inexplicable, some things that may be explainable through science, like sleep paralysis, or maybe dead people are just hanging around everywhere. I don't know. Well, that's for you to decide. But joining me today is Sage Edders. So Sage, let's get right into it. Tell me a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, I think, though, the first experience I ever had, it was kind of like half sleep paralysis and half just becoming oh i always get like goosebumps when i start talking about this stuff it's that means just so it's riveting that means it's real yeah <laughs> if you get goosebumps it's real it's totally scientifically real <laughs> <laughs> so um my grand when my grandmother's passed away i was like seven or something mm -hmm. and i was really close to her and it was the only funeral that i i went ballistic at that I had a really hard I mean I've been to you know tons of funerals yeah. up to now and I just kind of am like emotionless during them I'm just kind of, I'm there for people and I'm just you know appreciative of the person's life and stuff like that but when my grandma my grandma Millie she passed it was like my dad told me that you know and we had the ceremony where they like lower the coffin in the ground and he said I was like going insane and I honestly don't remember that like I've just lost it out of my memory wow. so that same week that she passed away I started feeling things and seeing things and having trouble sleeping and the sleep paralysis started and but I just became really sensitive and aware to like energy and I I have like I don't you know I had weird energies following me around since then and my thought process was kind of like well she passed along this she probably had this gift and then she passed it along to me because I was very close to her or since I was close to her, whatever was following her then started following me. So I obviously can't ask her. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, that week I started with the sleep paralysis. I was getting pushed out of my bed at night, like, violently. I was hearing disembodied voices, which, okay, like, that could be related to sleep paralysis. But then I started getting these feelings in that house of like places where I wasn't allowed to go at certain times of night. Like I just was welcome in certain areas or we had this long hallway and I never ever turned around and looked down that hallway at night if I was going to the bathroom because I just knew something was there. And if I turned my head, I would see whatever it was. And it was just the strongest feeling. Because you could feel it watching you in a way you could feel. Yes. It. I just, it's like the presence. You just feel like if you're, I don't know, some people are sensitive to this too. If like someone is walking behind them and they know like someone's there, it's that same feeling of 
there's something there like taking up space and I feel it watching me. I feel the energy vibrating off of it. Like it's just like, you just know, and, and you just get, yeah, you get like chills and you get this feeling and your heart is beating fast. And it's like, there's like no explanation for that. I don't know. Like what I'm in my hallway. I'm like eight years old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I, I wasn't ever like scared of the dark or anything like that, but yeah, having this feeling. So there was this hallway I had an issue with. And then in our basement, there was this one, not even the whole basement, just this one corner. I was like this one corner. I don't know. Something happened there. Like, I'm not sure. I'm just feeling something there. And I didn't ever bring this up to my family until like high school or college. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned it to my dad and he was like, you know what? I felt really uneasy over there as well. And my dad is not, he is not really sensitive to all of these things as much as I am. But for him to confirm that was kind of really eye opening. And there was even one time where I went into the basement. um, And I mean, it was dark down there. It was like a basement. It was like the middle of the day. I went down there and I, you know, I felt that feeling again about that corner of the basement. And every time I had to leave the basement, I like could never turn around and look back there. I just had to like get out of there as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we had like those old lights in the basement where you like pull the string and it turns off, you know, on and off. Right. So I that was the last light that I had on down there and I pulled it off and I like put my shirt over my head and I like very slowly walked over. I was, I just was so like, Oh my God, there's something there. Right. So you just full so on the so turtle cool. style that just pulled it up over the head top of the, yeah. yeah. Okay. I got it. I was like, I'm like, I'm not going to see anything. I'm like protected somehow by this hundred percent cotton t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> like, so, so I very slowly made my way over to the door to go upstairs and it was locked. And like, I didn't lock it. Oh. My parents were not there. And I was like, how is this possible? Like, it wasn't one of those doors where like a locks from one side, but not the other. Like it just was locked. And I was yelling and screaming and banging on it. And I, one of my parents came down and they're like, what is your deal? And I was like, oh, there's like something, I don't know, in the door. You know, I, like, I couldn't articulate, yeah, yeah. you know. They're like, why They're like, why is the door locked? I'm like, I do not have the foggiest idea why. So, but also something that's very interesting about that house was I also don't know if maybe there was some – sort of Indian burial ground there or like something really bad happened because every house that was in that cul-de-sac, like something bad happened to all of those families. Like every family got divorced that was in that cul-de-sac. Our neighbor got uh, like dementia and she would walk around and not know where she was. And like her husband would have to go find her because she would just leave the house and start walking through the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, there was, um, yeah, just, like, families broken up and, and, and violent fights and arguments and, like, mental illness and and then my feelings of, like, uneasiness. So my, par- my parents got divorced. <laughs> right. Every Everyone got divorced, like, and that called the fact that my parents split. And then I moved to a different house, and I started having the same thing of, like, certain areas in that house. Like, I never looked down the stairs into where, like, the living area was at night. And it wasn't, like, midnight. It was, like, very specific time, like, 2 a.m. or something like that. Like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to go to the bathroom, I better do it now because I don't want (laughs) to, you know. I don't want to be out there to stroke a two. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, um, I just felt like, okay, I can't look down there or if I had to go into the kitchen to get a glass of water at that time, it wasn't happening. And there was only one time that I did. And I just felt like something like right next to my shoulder, like the entire time. And I was like, I'm not looking. I feel that you're there, whatever's happening. 
you know, and then the one time that I actually looked down the stairs, I saw this very, it was like faint, but it was very distinct. I, both of those things at the same time, there was this girl with long hair and like a white nightgown. And it was like clear as day to me seeing her there. And I remember I sat with that terrifying image in my mind for like a week Mm -hmm. and then I told my brother and then my brother told my mom and then my mom said stop trying to scare your brother with all this you know shenanigans and I was like okay like I can tell that this is not something that you think could be a real thing Mm -hmm. so throughout that I was at that house through high school like later in college and then you know, yeah, I had the sleep paralysis still a lot, like seeing orbs and feeling like pressure on my chest and Mm -hmm. hearing voices and all this kind of stuff. But something that's like not related to that at all is a lot of times I'd be walking home from school, like three in the afternoon and across the street on the sidewalk in my peripheral vision, there would be this black figure walking at the same speed as me and at first i remember like the first time or, i or in front of you like, like where like like behind me in my peripheral vision but that like if someone was there on the sidewalk like i don't know like 25 degrees like behind me mm-hmm. i'd be able to see them out of the corner of my eye and i remember my first thought was it's like 85 degrees who's wearing like all black and a black hoodie or like whatever, who is this person? And I turn to look and then no one's there. But then as soon as I turn forward in my peripheral vision again. Hmm. So, and that description is linked to like quote unquote shadow people, which is like a very terrifying thing if you feel like researching that. But that is what people have described that sort of, feeling or vision right interesting interesting yeah i mean for for me going back to that basement thing kind of interesting that i I don't know what's up with basements personally yeah i I don't know (laughs) i don't know if it has to do with the whole like quote unquote indian burial ground kind of thing and and, like it's the closest to the earth part of the house i I don't know but the uh yeah but when i was in i want to say it was high school high school or middle school i went down into a basement of a friend's house and I was down there and the buddy of mine went upstairs to get drinks or something. We were watching some kind of TV or playing video games, whatever it was. And I was standing up just kind of walking around and pacing and I felt this presence in the room the majority of the time we were there. And when I looked over, I swear for like a quick second, I saw an entire family just sitting on this couch. Oh my God. Like, like, like real quick, real, real quick. So I don't, I didn't tell anyone about this at all. Like I was just like, hmm, okay, interesting, right? And I just kind of move on, <laughs> yeah, move you just on with life. Like keep that all to yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Move on with life, and then fast forward. It's like years later. I'm talking to this buddy, and I just happened to say, like, yeah. By the way, like, you know, did anyone ever like die in that house? You know, like, do you know anything about it? And he was like, oh, um. It's funny you say that because uh, my mom had a friend over who was a psychic. Like, like she was like she didn't bring her over to be a psychic. Like her friend is a psychic, and her friend yeah. her friend came over and had mentioned that she felt a, a presence of a family walking around the house with them. No! <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no! Well, I saw them. I saw them. It's like a little girl and like you know a little a little boy and the parents. Yeah, it was so trippy. Oh, it's yeah. like okay, I'm gonna go walk out in the street now. That yeah. was like. <laughs> I know it was um, probably one of the weirder weirder things to have happen. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I, I everything you said, I just like triggered another story in my head. But yeah, no. Anyway, carry on. Uh, where were we with and- you? Um, Okay, so that was like middle school, high school. I went off to college, um, and my hypnagogic hallucinations reached like an all-time severity of being terrifying and disruptive. Um, I didn't really drink coffee 
when I was in college because it's like a trigger for my migraine. So. And what college is this? Even though uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music. Got it. So, which, by the way, they said, like, there was fires in the dorms and, like, people died and this kind of thing, which was one of the dorms I was in. Oh, so, that's great. That's, that's perfect. Which, yeah, so there was that, and always the fire alarm would be constantly going off. So it was, like, weird, all of that. Yeah. So even though I didn't drink coffee, I only slept, like, half an hour to three hours a night. And I was, I was totally oh. fine. I wasn't tired. Like, I, I don't know. Man, I wish I could do that now, but I cannot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. so, but also linking with the hypnagogia, like, if you're not sleeping a lot or you're very stressed out, it will get worse. Mm-hmm. So I obviously didn't know what this was at the time, and I was just exacerbating it. And I, I, would, I would have them, like, almost every night. Um, that's probably why I didn't sleep too much because I knew like I would have an experience. Mm-hmm. Also, I was like busy as hell. So I just, you know, trying to get all my stuff done. And the night that I had my worst one, it was like finals week. So obviously no stress happening. <laughs> and I was up super late. I was trying to get this arranging project done. And I was like, okay, I'm going to set my timer for 30 minutes. So I set my phone for 30 minutes. I lay down and like across from my bed, I had a closet and the door was like cracked. And so this is, I don't know, only like 15, 20 minutes. I was like laying there and I started having that feeling again. And I see this, and it was like, I turned the lights off. It was pitch dark in there. However, I could still see into the darkness of the closet. Mm-hmm. And I felt the presence in there. And I could somehow, like, see what it was. And it was this incredibly tall being. Its eyes were, do you know that, like, color black that they just made up that they say is, like, the darkest black, like, possible that they created? Well, it was like that. It was, like, into outer space. I've it never was, heard of that, but all right. Yeah. I, I'll take your word. I just, I just, I want all my clothes to be that honestly, but you know, it's probably expensive. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um, it, the, the eyes of this thing were like darker than pitch dark. And I don't know how it's possible, but it was. And they had these extremely long, like fingers or fingernails or something. And what was weird is after I figured out what this was, this is one of those things that a lot of people generally see commonly. So anyways, thing there's a monster in my closet I don't know whatever and it just lunges towards me I can't move I can't breathe I can't scream like nothing and, wh- and it just and, and you just remember it as being really tall with really dark eyes yeah it was like I actually did a photo shoot kind of based on it which I could send you one yeah. of the photos I did yeah. um but just I mean the things I remember the most is like the eyes, like, just, like, a black hole, like, into nothingness. And then the nails or the fingers or whatever, I mean, like, I don't know, a foot and a half long, longer, something, just terrifying. Wow. And this thing lunged at me, and since I couldn't do anything, I remember trying to scream and, like, my throat tightening and, like, nothing coming out. And then I felt whatever this was pass through my body and I felt like I wasn't even like real at that split second in time of this passing through me mm-hmm. and then a couple seconds after that I was finally able to move and I like fell out of my bed I like ran to the bath I like turned all the lights on and I just started vomiting because I was just like so shooketh <laughs> from this like, I don't blame you. I was like, did I die? What happened? Like, and I still have all these projects to do. (laughs) Like, this is just peachy, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, that was like my worst at college. And I want to touch on what you said, like, oh, this psychic confirmed this, you know, thing that I saw. Yeah. Well, I went to go visit one of my very good friends in I can't, I think 
she was in Boston at that time. So I was in Chicago. I went to go see her. And I was still having, like, this dark being, whatever it was, like, following me around. I could feel it at night, just, like, hovering over my bed, like, all the time. And one of the – I drove out to Boston, and one of the hotels I stopped at, I – it was in the room with me in this corner. I knew it was there. I was, like, hiding under the sheets. You know, I'm, like, I don't know, Ugh. 22, 23. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, seven years old anymore, right? So I'm hearing, like, shuffling footsteps. I'm feeling this presence. I hear – all of the hangers hanging, just like someone gliding their fingers through them. Oh. And I'm the only one in the room. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, so I'm like, you know what? I'm so tired of this. I'm going to take a stand. So I throw the blanket off of me and I look directly into the corner where I feel this presence. And I go to start saying like, you have no place here. You have no power over me. And as soon as I open my mouth to try and start talking, nothing comes out and I can't breathe. And it's like, someone's choking me. I can't get any, not even like a squeak, like out of my mouth. And I just feel like this overwhelming pressure of like, you know, if you're on a carnival ride and there's like the G forces and you're like being stuck to the side of the Mm -hmm. thing that's spinning, just like that atmosphere in the room was so heavy. And I just, felt all this pressure and I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting to say something and it felt like forever and I don't know it was maybe only like a minute or two and then finally I was able to speak and it just like came out in a, a, a yell with like no real words just like sound uh-huh. and I was like oh my god okay not gonna sleep for the rest of the trip now cool Ugh. so I, I get to my friend's house She also has, like, a family psychic. So I get there, and I'm, like, exhausted. And, you know, she has a room set up for me. And I walk up to the room, and it's, like, still there. Like, I could still feel it. And it was, like, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks later. And she was, like, something followed you into my house. She's, like, I saw it. She's, like, I saw it at night like just like oozing through the walls, like in the corner. And I was like, which corner? Because I remember where it was and she told me and it was where I I was feeling it. And on top of that, on top of that, um, they would talk with their, you know, psychic kind of often. And her psychic said, you had a friend over. And she's like, yeah. She's like, and your friend brought someone else. And she was like, oh my God. So all of this confirmation of like, I mean, yeah, you know, craziness. So So why do you think think you attract all these bad ones? I don't, I don't know. I know that like some people are more susceptible to it. Again, like all of this started when my grandmother passed away. So I Mm. really, I don't know. Like I didn't do anything terrible to warrant this. I I know some people are like psychics, you know, they're, they have um, senses that are heightened compared to other people. Like even today, like, you know, I could be walking somewhere and I could just feel energy that's like not even there, yeah, you know, it's yeah. someone else that's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I was at the thrift store with Tyler, my husband, and I was like walking through there and I felt energy pass through me and I was like, Did you feel that? He's like, feel what? And I'm like, never mind <laughs> <laughs> So I mean like I I can't explain it, but when these things happen to people, there's just like an undeniable Yeah, you know it's you emotion. know it happens. yeah, it's like yeah, if you experience yeah. it, you, there's no you it's hard to explain to other people how mm-hmm. real it is unless the other person has been through it. And it's experienced it. Yes. Yes, that is exactly right. And, I mean, even though I've gone, what, like 25 years with these experiences, mm-hmm. yes, when I'm tired and not sleeping and stressed, it gets worse. I'm more sensitive. Um, and something that also is interesting is that since I was in my relationship with Tyler, 
I have felt that dark energy back off a lot. So wow. I don't know if he has some kind of protective energy or like, I'm not sure, but I definitely don't feel that so much anymore. But like, if he's gone and traveling, then it's like back again. Oh my God. So it's, I don't know what it is. I'm like, I haven't gone to see a psychic or paranormal expert or whatever myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm just like rolling in money. So I just want to spend my money on other things. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I mean, at the beginning of our relationship, I was spending the night a lot at his mom's and I just felt presences in like certain areas of her house. Uh-huh. And there were certain things that I needed to do at night. Like he had this opening, which he was staying in this sister's old room. And there was this opening where it wasn't like a window. It was like an opening into the studio next to it. And there were, they're not blinds, like, I don't know, these little doors that you can pull open and shut. Mm. And at night, they, like, had to be closed because I knew something was on the other side, like, looming. And also, like, the door couldn't be open because sometimes they felt like there was energy, like, walking across that area where I might be able to see something. And I remember I was telling him this, like, there's nothing to worry about. Like, you're fine. I'm here. Like, it's okay. And I didn't even say anything to his sister, but she started having a lot of, of these paranormal experiences herself. And she actually drew up like a ghost notebook, so to speak. And she would mark like in the house where she would feel that things were. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the night we were all talking about it and I was like, let me see your notebook. And I looked in it, and it was, like, exactly what I had felt. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, all of the areas, all of the descriptions, like, the feelings I had, and, you know, not even saying anyone to someone, and it's, like, exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, like, the bulk of my experiences. I'm, like, very sensitive to energy. I... At night, it is, like, heightened times a million. Like, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, there's something but about, like there's you something said. About nighttime. There's, there's something about the night. When the, I, I had read online that the, the theory is that the energy of just, like, the earth and everything is completely different around that time, and it, and it lets them through. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I don't, it's very rare if I feel something during the day, but at night, it's, and I, like I said, I'm not scared of the dark. I prefer night. I'm a night owl. I mm-hmm. I don't like the sun at all. So, <laughs> I mean, because uh, some people, it's like a fear-based thing. And it's totally not that for me. It's just something that's there. And I am susceptible and, like, sensitive to it. And like you said before, like, freaking no one will understand unless they've had experiences themselves. And yeah, growing up with, you know, my girlfriends, we would all like trade stories of, you know, things we saw and we all kind of had like traumatic childhoods. So I feel like, I don't know if you go through trauma in your life and that makes you more sensitive to things, but you know, we all had issues happen and we all had stories to share. So there was never Growing up with my friends, there was never uh, a point of, oh, well, you're crazy. Like, that's not real. I had a good community of friends to share this with. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't share it with my family. And when I did, I was, like, laughed out of the room. Except my dad, when I talked to him about it later, he was very open to that. And which, that's surprising because when I told my mom and she laughed at me, she told me, I don't remember exactly when she told me I think it was probably when I started really getting into like incense and you know all of these um like metaphysical things Mm -hmm. and she said well I don't like this kind of stuff because you reminded me of like my aunt or my great aunt and and she was really into witchcraft and and incense and every time I smell incense I like think of her and I think she was like evil or something and then she told me yeah like 
me and my sister, we were playing with a Ouija board one time, and I was like, okay, well, that's like your first mistake because I've never even really done oh, that. Oh, yeah, you, so, could, you couldn't pay oh, yeah. me to touch a Ouija board. You, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, much. no. Oh. I, I think I've honestly done it like one time, and it was like middle school, and I didn't really understand how serious it could be. Mm-hmm. So my mom was saying, yeah, me and my sister, we were playing with a Ouija board, and then the... I don't know what what's the piece whatever the piece is where you put your hands on and it like moves around. Yeah. She said that started spinning so fast they weren't even touching. It was spinning and then it just shot out to one side and it broke itself like perfectly parallel to the floor like into a wooden door. And I was like, how can you not feel? After experiencing <laughs> something like that, how can you not feel that, like, there's something else happening, like, in, yeah, yeah. you know, like, seriously, I'm like, if I would have experienced just that one thing, I would have been like, okay, like, that's good, and I totally believe this, that, and the other thing, and it's, I don't know, I mean, my mom has a very strong faith, so I don't know if her faith is like, oh, well, that doesn't exist, Right. but like I said, usually... My mom is a special case. Um, usually when you experience something and you cannot deny it, you, you're like changed for life. Like you mm-hmm, go through an mm-hmm. experience and you're like, wow, I have to rethink everything now. Yep. Exactly. No, so, 100%. 100%. I mean, I'm just thinking right now, like, could you imagine how crazy it would be if like you, me, a few of your friends who have incredible experiences too like, with this stuff all got together and played with a Ouija board for one night in the dark. Oh my God. No, just no. Like I am not opening <laughs> up myself to even more crazy things attaching them Ugh. for whatever reason. Like that's why I felt like whenever you play with a Ouija board or say if you go to an extremely haunted place, it's just, you're just asking for trouble. Oh yeah, I agree. So, I, I, I um I, I I do whatever I can to avoid any kind of spot where I've I've heard there's actually something there because it just it could follow you, it could do anything. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's just a horrible. Let's just go to like the most haunted place there is and just like have a sleepover. <laughs> yeah, for real. There's actually oh one God. up in uh, so I was at with my buddy up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, at the University of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And I and I as I was walking through there, kind of same thing. I was like, dude, I'm like. There's just something about this place. Like I don't know what it is. Like I, I just don't feel great. And he's like, yeah. And he, he's an educator, and he he teaches college classes. And he's like, yeah. Um, this was the, this <laughs> he's was like the, about that. <laughs> he's like, did you notice notice how the classroom doors are really large? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, those used to be sliding glass doors. This was the old hospital. It was a psych ward back in uh, early 1900s. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Cool. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like. The other day, I was with a student, and she brought her little kid with her, and the little kid was walking down the hallway, and he stops, and and the mom stops, and 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 she's like, what? He goes, who's that little girl right there? And just like points. Oh my like, god. And points up at this little girl, and and they're both just like, Ha-ha-ha. okay, let's keep walking. So yeah, so there's. No- <laughs> yep. So I can I can have him get I can have him get us into. The Madison, Wisconsin, former psychiatric ward in the middle of the night. We could just sit there with a Ouija board. That would be uh Yeah, let's just have like 10 Ouija boards. Oh, for sure. Okay, so I want to change the subject a little bit. Not really change the subject, but just change the light on the subject. We had discussed the potential, and you've mentioned it a few times, that some of these things you've experienced, not all of them, some of them you were completely wide awake for, but other ones when you were more so lying in bed and all these different types of situations may be a result of something you've done some research on, uh, hypnagogic hallucinations, as well as sleep paralysis. Uh, I want to touch on those with you and, you know, go into it. And so what, what have you found? Yeah, because, like, not a lot of people know about that, and it can, a lot of things, I'd say, like, half of the things that I've experienced are linked with that, and I feel like maybe... Because I thought I was just, like, freaking insane or something. And then I stumbled across sleep paralysis. And I was like, oh, 
okay, so I'm not losing my mind. It's like an actual thing that's right. been documented. And it, <laughs> so, it says it's tied into narcolepsy. Do you have narcolepsy? No, I do not. I I had a sleep study done. I, I don't. And what I thought was really weird was that they say that the sleep paralysis happens when your REM cycle starts too early and you're still technically not asleep. And when I had my sleep study done, they were like, oh, well, you're actually not going into deep REM. And that's why you don't sleep really well, because I I just don't. I'm very light sleeper. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, (laughs) I'm like, so how does how does that work? Then it, you know, I don't I know there's like different states of REM and that kind of thing. So I Uh don't know off the top of my head, like which state of REM would be sleep paralysis and then also like deep sleep. But that's. Yeah, and people, like, see things and hear things and that whole, like, ancient painting of the beast, like, sitting on this woman's chest, like, that that sensation is very common, like, being choked, you know, I mean, you could even link it to um, people that have near-death experiences because, um, or, like, out-of-body experiences because, it's basically identical descriptions of, you know, I've talked to people that have had out-of-body experiences. I've tried doing it myself, haven't gotten quite there, but it's the, I guess I'll call it like symptoms. I don't know if they're, they're like the same. So, no, yeah, like, oh, I, well, are these people, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, when I was reading it, it was funny because it's uh, particularly the, how does, hypnagogic, is that what, how you say it? hypnagogic? yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like hypnagogic. Yeah, hypnog- I was looking at the hypnagogic hallucinations, and uh, it, it mentioned how when people start falling asleep, one of the side effects or symptoms or whatever is hearing random noises, and yeah, that happens to me almost every night where I lay, I lie down, and it's actually, it was actually kind of comforting to read that because when I lie down in bed a lot at night. I'll hear like a scream of like a child or something like that. Or like, I'll hear like a, just like someone like, just like screaming in pain really quickly when I close my eyes. You can have like things like that to, um, voices that aren't attached to anything. Um, to go to people with the out of body experiencing like buzzing, hissing, like vibration, like, People hear like a loud bang in their head that's called like quote exploding head syndrome unquote. I mean, there's just it's. I think it's really interesting. And when I when I was in college looking into all this, I just went like down the rabbit hole reading about all this stuff. Mm. And um, there was this like thread of people commenting like things they've seen or whatever, and it was so strange because there was a lot of people that have seen like the same figure like when they're experiencing this and it's like people you've never met in different countries like seeing the exact same you know silhouette or or being or and I'm like okay that's kind of creepy like I don't watch (laughs) that's really weird right 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 yeah no that's uh it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, you could chalk it up to science like this and have it explain it, or it's like something really is happening. You know, there really is something out there. No, yeah. And, it's like, and when I was when I was reading about it, yeah, there's a really big scientific base of like, oh, you're going into REM early, and this is what's happening. But then there's this whole other like spiritual side of it, talking about oh, well, our bodies vibrate at, you know, our minds vibrate at, like, a certain frequency, and when you're in this in-between state of wake and sleep, your frequency changes, and you're also more sensitive to picking up other frequencies from other dimensions of time and space, and these, you know, sounds you're hearing or these things that you're seeing are actually in different dimensions of time and space and you're just at this very vulnerable place where you can actually get little snippets of that so it's like really fascinating stuff (laughs) i'm totally into it i'm all about the whole afterlife and you know different dimensions Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff i I love yeah i love to just sit around thinking about it sometimes because it's just 
It's like a whole different like creative world. Yeah, I I love talking to people about it and just being like, hey, well, there's this and there's this, and they're like, shit, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that wild? Like, <laughs> just blow people's minds. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, for me, it's like half of the things that I've experienced are very common with sleep paralysis, which actually. Like you said, it's common for people with narcolepsy, but I don't have that. And then if you are not narcoleptic, like 10% of the population that would experience it like outside of that. Interesting. So, it's, I mean, it's like a rare thing, but yeah, I was totally stoked when I thought I was having like a serious mental problem. And then I came across this and I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, I don't have to go to a padded room, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, it, it gives comfort, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, like, in some extent, it's like, oh, it gives comfort, but I'm, like, terrified to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've had those weeks in my life where you just, like, you know something's in the room or, like, you just can't help but feel like there's something in the room. And, yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And also, if you sleep on your back, that is the most common position to be, I think it's called like the supine or supine position, mm -hmm. where if you're laying on your back, you have like a much greater chance of experience, experiencing sleep paralysis. Interesting. And it's like, it, it's like if, if I go to fall asleep on my back, I'm, it's like guaranteed to happen to me. Yeah, it's funny you like, say it, that. It, it, yeah. Because I, I back in the back in the day, like when I was in college, I had a really intense month or so of it, a couple months of it, and even to this day, whenever I find myself having a really trippy experience outside the body, whatever it is, I, mm -hmm. I, I when I come out of it, I'm always in the same position on my back. My left leg is stretched yep. out. My right leg is bent in, and it's always the exact mm -hmm. same position. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, every time, it's very, it's very rare if I'm on my side and something happens. I mean, it has, but being on my back, it's like, I just avoid falling asleep like that. But sometimes, you know, you are paying attention and you like roll over on your back and then you're like, oh shit, someone's choking me. Cool. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. you know. Well, thank you so much. Serious, I appreciate it. And I uh, hope you're doing no, well. No, thank you for just like casually mentioning this. Okay, before I wrap up this podcast, I want to show you guys one quick thing. There was a segment that I ended up cutting out of the podcast interview because I thought it would be funnier, or not funnier, creepier, more Halloween-ish if I were to show it at the very end of the interview. And I'm going to play it for you guys real quick. Basically, what happened was while I was on the phone with her, I kept hearing different voices like speaking to me through the phone and because she always was talking about how there was someone she always felt like there was a presence behind her at some point and there were at least two distinct voices one female one male and while I was editing it fortunately all of those voices came through on the audio and I know we closed it on that whole there is a scientific reasoning for these things happening both her experiences and my experiences but it's Halloween around the corner. Come on, guys. Let's just let's just abandon all disbelief for one quick second here, and let's just get creeped out together. I truthfully cannot explain, in terms of technology, why this would happen. I've done a ton of these interviews now, as you all know. This is pretty deep into the season, episode eighteen. So, same technical rig, same all that kind of stuff, and this is the first time it's ever happened. And when you hear us talk, I only referenced two of them, but then later on when we were wrapping up, that's when I caught that third sound. Okay, so I'm going to play for you guys the three sounds. I'll repeat them. I'll play the first one, then I'll repeat it again real quick. Second repeat, third repeat, and then I'll just go right back into the interview with her, and then we'll come back out of it with the harp sound. Okay, here it is. Well, for what it's worth... <laughs> 
and not to creep you out. Are you alone right now in your house? Like, what's the situation? I am. Uh, I, well, I have I, my maybe, cat, but right. yeah, I'm alone. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell you this then, but I'm going to tell you anyway. No, no, no. I want to know. Like, I would All rather right. know than not know. So, so um, I, I've been doing a lot of these interviews, a lot of them. And uh, I have the exact same setup every time. I've got my laptop here plugged into the microphone. And then I have... Uh, this like spit guard on the mic and then connected to it all i have this big pair of of uh beats headphones and this is the first time this has happened while we've been talking your voice has cut out a little bit and i've heard a different voice talking oh my dear lord it happened twice (laughs) first first, i pulled my head headphone off like a couple times like looking around the room like wondering if it was like my dog or something like that behind the door but then i'm like <laughs> i'm like she never comes up here ever yeah so first it was like this kind of noise like, like a woman disapproving kind of like like questioning kind of sound and then the second time it was definitely a grown man and he was like some kind of like weird voice like <laughs> language i don't know no and like that's what i'm talking about i always feel like there's at least one entity that has never really let go of me and i know that it is negative energy i just know that so if it comes through on the it recording, doesn't surprise I'll, me that I'll you say that i'll cut it and send it to you if it comes through on the on the computer yeah that would be really interesting then we can do like what they do in the movies and like slow it down like a hundred times and like <laughs> So happy Halloween, people. I don't know if that creeped you out or if right now you're sitting here thinking Bill's gone off the deep end. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I have. Who knows? But I I just really love ghost stories, and I really love the whole concept of that potential realm. I don't know. It's always intrigued me. But anyway, we've done a lot of talking today. We are pretty deep in this bad boy. It's one of the longer podcasts I try to usually keep these around 30 minutes, but you know, listeners of the podcast know that sometimes these run a little bit deeper, 45 minutes to an hour, and that's where we're at right now. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you know some friends who love a good ghost story, if you thought Sage was creepy, if you thought some of the stuff I said was creepy, or if you just want to share it with some people, definitely do that. Last week, I teased the possibility that this may be the last episode of the season may not true i had a feeling this one episode was going to come together and it fortunately did so i also didn't really want to end the podcast on an episode about ghosts which is it didn't really fit the whole vibe this is a specialty episode i really didn't want to end it there today so fortunately we have one more week next week's guest is francia flores she is with hand for honduras and you're gonna like it You're going to like the conversation, and I hope it inspires you guys to do some really cool stuff. So, nothing really to plug for Sage like I typically do when I read off a URL. So, instead, I'll just tell you this one, the same thing you heard at the very beginning of this podcast, that commercial. KeepSwimmingFoundation.org launched it this week. Please check it out. Please donate $5, $10, $20, $100, whatever you can afford. Again, KeepSwimmingFoundation.org. Let's help some families together. If you'd like to meet Sage, you can hire her to take your picture. Again, I will definitely post all of her links to the podcast website, BillCoonSpeaks.com slash podcast. People who get the emails who go to that webpage and click the green button, do it if you haven't done it yet. Come on. Those people who get the emails will also get a link to Sage's photography stuff because she really does some great work and you should check it out. Even though it's completely unrelated to everything we just talked about today. <laughs> Whatever. Hustle respects hustle. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm going to be on the road for the next few weeks. I'm going to be traveling around. If you are listening to this podcast around 6 p.m. Central Time, I am officially in an airplane somewhere in the Midwest, flying out to the Cincinnati, Covington, Kentucky region, and I will not be returning home for another four weeks. I have a huge, huge bag with me, actually several huge bags with me. It's going to be so much fun, tons of different cities. And I will be coming at you for one last time next week, ladies and gentlemen. But until then, have a fantastic Wednesday, a great Thursday, an even better Friday, 
and a kick-ass weekend. Also, a spooky Halloween. Boom! Later, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.